Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by We Are One Composites and there's a discount code coming up just for you. We Are One Composites have become really well known for their amazing carbon wheels. I ride the Faction 29ers and I absolutely love the way they look and feel. The ride quality is an impressive balance between stiff and direct but compliant and forgiving, unlike any other carbon wheels I've tried. We Are One don't like to stand still and they've recently launched their first complete bike. It's called the Arrival and it's a 150mm 29er Enduro weapon. And you can tell that We Are One have put their usual level of attention to detail into making sure this thing is perfect. There's some lovely design touches and the quality of the finish is next level just like it is with the wheels. Head over to wheel1composites.com and check it out now. Because of the crazy demand for bike stuff in general, and particularly for WeR1's awesome wheels, we can't offer a discount on complete wheel sets right now. But the team at WeR1 really wanted to do something for downtime listeners, so they're offering you 15% off rims only during the month of August. All you need to do is to use the code WESUPPLY2021 at the checkout over on wheel1composites.com. That's we supply all lowercase, all one word, followed by the number 2021 over on weareonecomposites.com. Head there now and check out the entire range. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. After a lot of hard work by the team, we've got a print date scheduled for the very first Downtime EP. I don't know about you, but I'm super excited to see this thing in the flesh. If you want to be in with a chance of getting one of the limited edition issues at a special early bird price, then you've got literally a couple of days left to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and leave us your name and email address. We'll be launching those early bird sales really soon, so make sure you're signed up. If you want to support the show, you can get your hands on my range of merch over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. As always, it's top quality, organic, it's made in a factory using renewable energy and it's delivered with no single-use plastics. Head over there now and check them out. All the proceeds help support and improve the show. Please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's going to be a button there and it will say follow or subscribe or something like that. So hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's available. If you can't find a button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe and there's links there to all the major platforms to help you. Also, if you've got a minute, please give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's a great place to keep up to date with what we're up to and it's always really nice to hear from you in the comments and the messages there. All right, folks, this week I'm joined by the current UK national champion, KJ Sharp. Last time we talked to KJ on the podcast, she'd well and truly chucked herself into the deep end at the Enduro World Series. Since then, KJ has shifted focus to downhill racing. We chat about her approach to getting up to speed on a downhill bike, find out how KJ changed her training and put together a package to get out of there on the DH race scene, and we touch on her challenges with the mental side of the sport. As always, KJ hasn't messed about and has gone pretty much straight to racing World Cups. She's taken the UK national title and she's been selected for this weekend's World Champs in Val de Sol. It's a pretty inspiring story. In this episode, we talk about the impact that the menstrual cycle has had on KJ's training and racing. If you're a female racer and you'd be interested to get involved in a study that's focused on learning more about the impact of the menstrual cycle on mountain bike training, then give this short message from Robin Akinson a listen to find out more. If that's not for you, then you can skip forwards two minutes and crack on with this episode. Hi, my name is Robin. I'm a master's student at Bryn Napier University. And I'm currently conducting a study on how the menstrual cycle influences training schedules in elite female mountain bikers. So there's a complete lack of research out there. So 
it's hopes that this study will help get some more information and research out there for um, female athletes, specifically mountain biking. So the project I'm currently recruiting for will complement the research already being conducted within the Mountain Bike Centre of Scotland. The study is completely remote. It's worldwide due to the pandemic and will last three months. This sounds like a really big commitment, but I promise it's so easy to complete and will not interfere with training or competition, but only provide you with more information about your cycle. So to qualify for the study, participants must be female, aged between 18 to 45, have a pretty regular menstrual cycle, free from injury and will be accepted if using hormonal contraceptives. In addition, you must have competed at a minimum of national level in the last two years or slightly longer due to COVID and compete in at least one mountain bike train dis- discipline and train at least four times a week. The athletes will be asked to measure their body temperature to help track their cycle. They'll record things like perceived sleep, mood, alertness and arousal and note down any symptoms. They'll also be asked to provide training data so we can calculate factors such as training load. All Obviously, all the data is deleted at the end of the year and it's completely anonymized. So if you are interested in the study and you fit the requirements, please do get in touch. The more participants that we can get, uh, the better the research can be. So... I'll be doing this at the end of the year, so please do get in touch if you do fit the requirements. Um, if you are interested, please do email me at robin.akenhead at napier.ac.uk. But hopefully Chris will leave the description in the podcast. Thank you. So if you want to get involved with Robin's study, then you can drop her an email at robin.aitkenhead at napier.ac.uk. That's Aitkenhead spelled A-I-T-K-E-N-H-E-A-D. You'll find that address in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. All right, then, without further ado, here's KJ Sharp. KJ Sharp, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, yeah. We're sat in your parents' house. It's very, Mm -hmm. very nice, comfortable. Yeah, it's grand. Yeah, cool. (laughs) So we're going to have a bit of a chat. Um, You came on the podcast trying to think when it was it's more than a couple of years ago four years ago maybe wowzers a while ago yeah i think long enough that it's dropped off the bottom of the rss feed that episode mm. so if people want to find it they'll have to find it on the website um and back then you were kind of getting stuck into an ews sort of career i guess um you were racing for the hope team back then and um a lot's changed right um so yeah tell us first off well yeah why did you want to step away from enduro world series i guess that's the first question um i think it was like it was hard work like i i was racing world enduros when like you remember the year where we had a race in france and everyone was complaining about how hard it was and how far like far they made us ride and whatnot so i was racing when that was going on and every time you went to a new venue they're trying to make it longer and harder and to the point where it was just so tiring and after only riding bikes for well mountain bikes for two years maybe maybe three maximum yeah it wasn't really you know I wasn't ready for that at all I think maybe now I probably would be more prepared for it but back then it was just so new and I felt like these race organizers were just trying to kill it like literally kill us <laughs> <laughs> which the top racers probably didn't think that but for someone like myself at the time I was like flipping heck I've never ridden trails this steep I've never ridden 
never really ridden jumps or anything. Yeah. And I was suddenly just doing world enduro. It was all a bit too too much too soon. Yeah. yeah it was a year where it, uh, uh, quite a lot of people at all different levels in EWS seemed to comment that the race organisers were maybe trying to one-up each other. Like, yeah, okay, was, if you can make an event that big and that gnarly, we'll go bigger and more gnarly. So It was just insane. I can just remember the France, the France one and I just remember thinking that's enough i can't i just can't do this anymore <laughs> fair enough so yeah. so was downhill an obvious step for you then i think it was looking back it was probably the obvious you know when you're always like in hindsight it's an obvious step from the start but at the time like hope were giving me such a great opportunity and also like because i'd only ridden a few years like i'd literally been riding for six months before my wor- my first world enduro which is just stupid so the opportunity hope were like providing me was too good to to say no to yeah and I think at the time I was like if I can do two years of world enduro like it doesn't matter what place I come but I'm going to progress so much like I'm just going to keep failing for the next two years but I'm going to come out at the end of it a much better rider you know not scared of well I don't think I'm that scared of much, but <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, you, you, I guess you'd accepted that you weren't necessarily going to get incredible results, but you were going to get round, you were going to do yeah. it and you were going to improve and, yeah. and learn along the way, I suppose. Like I can't think of a better way to really force yourself to progress than just being like, right, let's go and do two years of world enduro yeah in fact i think that last episode with you i called in at the deep end yeah which is so. about this is a pretty good summary of it really <laughs> pretty much <laughs> <laughs> and so you made the decision to step away from enduro world series and alongside that you made the decision to step away from the support you had at hope as well yeah why why was that well i think like so like hope is owned by my my family so that's obviously why I got such a good opportunity in the first place. And um, like I was talking to my mum about it. And my mum, like my mum always wants to support me with everything. Um, and also at the time, my dad had just passed away previous to me starting mountain biking. So it was it was my dad that was like running. Well, so it was like 50-50. My family owned 50% of the company and then the Weverills owned the other 50%. Uh-huh. Um so at the time my dad was obsessed with running the company like it was his passion and it was pretty amazing and then my dad passed away and then that's when I started mountain biking which was like I think you look back on it and you think oh a bit too late for me to start mountain biking like even now I'm like kicking myself being like why didn't I start mountain biking when he was around because yeah. he would have been so so great as like supporter uh-huh. um but anyway I think it just lost I lost like the connection with hope because my dad was no longer there. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum is a silent partner, so she doesn't really get involved with the day-to-day runnings of things. Okay. Um, but she's obviously like, she's super supportive of me and everything I'm doing. But I think like two years in, I just sat down with my mum and I just said, I don't want to be relying on on you and I don't want to like I don't want to be independent. I don't want to be dependent on family and family money. Yeah. And I want to be able to do this. You know, like if you, for example, I always dreamed of doing downhill. And if I ever do like make it in downhill and ever like, for example, fingers crossed, ever like win a world championships or win a world cup. 
like the pride that I'd have thinking that I'd done it on my own rather than just relying on family money yeah. would just be immense. Like, I think I'd just cry at that alone. <laughs> Fair play. It's a big step to take. Like, you're, you're very much getting out of the comfy chair with that, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, it was a quite a big decision to make because I literally was like, I'm shooting myself in the foot. Like, I am so shooting myself in the foot because I literally went from... Like, with Hope, we literally got everything you needed. Like, I didn't have to, have to think, like, oh, I need to get this sponsorship, brake sponsorship to go with this bike sponsorship. Like, there's so much, like, so many aspects to it. So when I start, sat down and started writing up, like, a CV and emails to apply for sponsorship with com- other companies, it was, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had to write a huge list of everyone that I needed to email to try and, like, make up a full bike. Yeah. But flipping heck. You just don't think about it when it's there on a plate, do you? No, I guess not. So, yeah, talk us through that process then, because that was one of the first things you did was like look out and try and pull together a package for yourself, I guess, that enabled you to to have everything you need, bike, kit, etc. It was so tough. <laughs> I literally spent like three months every night, like email, well, maybe not three months and maybe not every night, but it felt like a long long time because initially when I first started like writing emails open writing my CV I was so kind in my like the way that you present yourself I was like oh so I've done this in the past and I might be able to do this in the future and it was always like maybe my mm-hmm. like it was never I have done this and I'm going to go and do this and so for the first month I was like emailing all these companies and of course these, they were just like wet emails. It's just, they were just ridiculous. Like I deleted them all now, but if I hadn't and I was looking back on it now, I'd be like, oh, no wonder they didn't want to sponsor me. Okay. Like if you're a company, you read an, an email where you're just like, oh, everything's a maybe. They're not interested, are they? They're just like, no, we want a solid, this is what I want to go and do. And I'm yeah. going to try my hardest to go get there and do that. So I kind of got to a point where I was like, right, it felt like a rude email to me, but it probably wasn't like, it wasn't a rude email. It was just saying, it was just like a very factual email. And I sent this email to Pivot US. Uh, I think it was you that gave me the card. Yeah, it might well have been. Yeah, yeah. For Rachel. Yeah. So I sent an email to Rachel and she forwarded it on to Adam at Upgrade Bikes. Mm-hmm. So Upgrade are like Pivot UK and DMR. Yeah. Um, and I just, even now I'm still like oh why did they take me on because <laughs> like I never I'd never ridden a down I was applying for downhill bike and downhill like support and I'd never ridden a downhill bike so I was like why <laughs> but I think in my email I didn't really put that across obviously I just pretended that I'd done a lot of world enduros and enduro racing and so on and so on um so anyway Adam he, I think he was left with a task to find a female rider from the UK and I think he'd been struggling for quite a few months to find the right person and somehow I managed to like tick off all the boxes and and yeah it all works out in the end so yeah yeah flipping heck it was <laughs> stressful though <laughs> it's so hard emailing companies asking for things well yeah I, I, you're one of many people I guess asking for stuff so somehow oh, yeah. you've got to stand out and uh and it's like there's so many people out there just just as good and just as like ambitious 
and you're like, oh, I've got to fit in with all that. <laughs> Interesting. What about other stuff as well? Because like you, I guess you get frames through those guys. You get some of the DMR components. There's other bits on a bike. Like were you, was it fairly straightforward to pull those together? Because you've carried on with a couple of brands that you've sort of worked with in the past through the Hope side of things, right? Yeah, so I still work with Olin's. Um, so I knew Alex from Olin's because um, he knew my brother quite well as well. Uh-huh. So I think that just kind of clicked on. I went did go to Fox for a while, uh, but only through knowing Geordie, not through actually emailing Fox okay. and being like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so I still knew Alex and I just emailed Alex and said, look, this is what I plan. I, I told him like my plans on how I wanted to leave Hope and because he knew, obviously, he knew the family. So yeah. so he was like, right, that's great. Like he thought it was quite impressive that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so ever since he's just carried on nice. helping me out, which is pretty grand. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of like other products like the drivetrain and everything like that, Upgrade also support me with that kind of stuff. Okay. So, um, yeah, the only other company that it was just clothing then, I think that I had left to do. Uh-huh. Um, so I did go with Troy Lee for like the first year. It was yeah. Saddleback UK. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I lapsed on my emails the second year and just didn't email anyone and because I still had the support from Upgrade. And I think as well, the stuff that Troy Lee sent me, it, it's, it lasts for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, I don't need... I know that's not how it works. Like companies want to bring out the new new products and whatnot. But in my head, I was like, oh, well, I don't need it. So <laughs> I'll just wear the same same stuff next year. Stick with it. So you're in 2020 kits. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not it's slower, still, is it? No, it's still just as good. So <laughs> happy days. So Cool. So you pulled together a package and then obviously, I guess it's a focus on sort of skill acquisition practice, but also training. And you're, you have a background in sports science, mm-hmm. yeah? So you yeah. know to a fair extent what it is you're doing there. How did you change your training from what you were working on for EWS to be ready for downhill? Um, much less pe- pedaling. <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice. <laughs> um, I think it was like with endurance, a lot of strength endurance and a lot of very long rides like I remember every Monday I go for like a three or four hour ride on the road bike and uh-huh. you just get like just making sure you it's like when you're trained to do a marathon you st- you like you start your training and it's your breathing that's holding you back to start with but then after a while of like the training and it's, it's, you get so far into it it starts to be like your joints and your body that like holds you back uh-huh. and you breathing wise you probably just like keep going and going so it's more a case of like making sure you can endure like four days of like full riding yeah. as well as be as well as being like powerful in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Whereas with with downhill, we like everything's just power based and strength based, and like even like on the watt bike short sprints and like you obviously have to have a certain level of endurance because like the tracks are can be up to five minutes long. Mm-hmm. But in compa- comparison to endure, you don't you don't need to be endure like you don't need to make sure your joints can make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair play. Were there particular elements of your 
body or physique that you wanted to change to improve to work on um i think just upper body really um but that comes quite quickly when you just like just being able to like withhold like big compact like you know like if you're going off a drop and Mm -hmm. you could either like collapse underneath the drop and you your body just can't hold onto the bike yeah so things like that but even in enduro like i probably need to progress on that anyway like i used to crash quite a a lot yeah and it was just due to the fact that my upper body strength just wasn't there and i was just like giving out on like high compressions yeah so like a lot of pressing and pushing and yeah all of it all of it (laughs) yeah (laughs) lots of time under a barbell yeah pretty much yeah definitely well it's an area that you've worked you have worked really hard on right you spend a lot of time on the physical side a lot of gym time yeah definitely so like coming into like I was always like really into it always through uni I just I don't know why I don't know why people you know like we choose what we enjoy and whatnot but I've I've always like wanted to be like fit and strong and and healthy um but then like coming into the pandemic so I didn't like everything got locked down and I think I knew from the start that I wasn't going to be able to ride downhill because of where we live we have to drive like two hours at least yeah and we have to either cross the border to Scotland or Wales yeah pretty much and that was not happening for a good chunk of time last year was it no so from the off I was like right this is perfect like I've got probably however long we just don't know how long it's going to be and I figured like people would be, were like oh we'll be fine by Christmas but you ain't you just look at like I just looked at like the data and how it all progressed from the other side of the world and you're like well hold on how long have they been like dealing with this and now yeah. it's here so I like messaged my coach um Chris and I was like look Chris this could be a potentially six months of just train like we don't even trail riding around here we've got Ilkley Moor but we couldn't really drive could we yeah we weren't supposed to leave the house particularly really once a day for exercise locally and that yeah it's hard to say it's local really exactly so I was like technically got well potentially got a good six months of just training in the gym strength training like endurance you know let's let's use it and then anyway ended up we had like more than 12 months didn't we so I just spent the last 12 months <laughs> waking up and going in the gym, working out because of work, I work from home then working from home and then going back in the gym work because I just didn't have anything to do. So yeah. I guess it's worth pointing out that you have a little gym here. Oh right? yeah. yeah. I don't, don't go to the gym. <laughs> I don't drive <laughs> to the gym. outside. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So we have a little gym and a barn because maybe, my mum lives on a farm so there's loads of outbuildings so luckily I like set up a gym a couple of months before because I'd already planned to do more sessions at home yeah because I was like going into the gym in Skipton and like my sessions sessions would end up being like two hours long so I was it's a half an hour drive in two hour like two hours of training like probably half an hour of waffling and talking (laughs) and you ended up spending a whole afternoon every day at the gym and it was just like I don't have enough time to do my work and yeah. everything else so I set up the gym two months prior to lockdown but like 
at home and I was like right okay 12 months of just squatting and deadlifting yeah what are the key bits of equipment that you've kind of invested in then you've got a squat rack and a yeah it was just like squat rack barbell um enough weights because I almost once we got like to the end of the 12 months I'd almost run out of like plates (laughs) so which I didn't really expect to happen but it's it's quite a good aim to kind of get to yeah um so but that was pretty much it like I got a kettlebell I got a 20 kilogram kettlebell yeah I originally I was on a I think I went from 12 to 16 and then got the 20 and I was like oh we need a 24 now (laughs) but luckily like the race season started and as soon as that starts you tend to lose a bit of strength anyway so I don't have to buy one yet (laughs) (laughs) and you've got a watt bike as well yeah or do you borrow one yeah so hope had like eight watt bikes Uh Uh, they did like a when i was there i ran it and they did like a a morning watt bike session for people okay um and i don't i think since i left they just hadn't replaced whoever like replaced me to do it yeah so they were just stood there in the factory and no one was using them so i was like oh well can I just pinch one? <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> so super handy bit of kit though, yeah. Oh yeah, like they're pretty like torturous. They hurt, don't they? Yeah, not much fun, but pretty productive. Mm. Yeah, cool. Well, let's talk a bit like ahead of the um, the pandemic. So this, the conversations with sponsors would have been what, like late twenty eighteen, where or early twenty nineteen? I think it'd be yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah. And you decided that, like, skill acquisition was important. You'd not really ridden a downhill bike. You needed some hours under you. So you um, you jetted off to Whistler for a season, right? Yeah, six months of sunshine. Well, it rained quite a lot, actually. <laughs> six months of, um, yeah. I don't think my life changed much out there, if I'm honest, because I still went to a CrossFit gym out there. The only difference was when you go riding, you went riding like it was like here at home as much as I love going to, like on these downhill days so like they are so much fun mm. we were working it out the other day you literally spend because we when we go to like in a leaf and we'll go it's three hour drive up there and we'll go only go for the day we'll ride for six hours and three hour drive back and we we're working out how long we'd actually spent riding like a run and I think that like three minute runs yeah. and you get maybe six runs in we're like mm. we did six hours of driving for less than 20 minutes of riding it's which crazy, is just it? insane whereas like in Whistler you two lifts up and it's a 20 minute descent like it's pretty in- amazing really yeah. so I think in terms of quality riding that's what I was looking for and that's exactly what I got yeah. out of those six months do you think that was a real key part of getting up to speed on a downhill bike yeah i think like i think the main part was jumps okay. and drops because i'd never ridden jumps and drops and like even a line is like i don't think the jumps are that big on there but when i first rode it i was literally like case pedal case pedal <laughs> like it took me quite a few months to kind of but i did get to like the end of this because it's really easy to fall into a like a, a routine in Whistle where it's like you do chill laps, you finish the day, you go drinking, you wake up hungover, yeah. chill laps. And you could easily get into like a routine of 
well, it, it could end up destroying you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like by, it took me like a few months to get better at jumps. But by the end of it, I was preferring, like initially I really just liked going really, really fast and not letting my wheels go off the floor. Uh-huh. But by the end of the six months, all I wanted to do was like go in the air and like do all the jumps and whatnot so I think it helped in that in that respect but on the flip side like coming back the the like the jumps in Whistler are built so well so then when you come back you're like oh can I actually jump or because the jumps are are never like they're just the best jumps in the world aren't they like (laughs) I've never been well you need to go I know I know So I don't know if I actually got better at jumping or the jumps were just too well built. <laughs> Fair play. Were you quite were you kind of structured about how you look to improve your riding while you're out there or are you just getting hours on the bike? No, I was very structured. I literally was like I always have been though. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> um I literally like would plan out my training week and then I would make sure I was going out on the downhill bike like two or three times a week for mm-hmm. t- but it was only for like two hours so it would be like Wednesday afternoon two hours of bike park laps yeah. and then Friday afternoon two hours of bike park laps I'd miss the weekends because it was so busy right and then I'd probably do so on the weekends I'd just go to the CrossFit gym yeah and then went on a Monday oh yeah that was it so Monday afternoon two hours yeah Wednesday was normally like a, a local race so we'd do that and then Friday afternoon was two hours just downhill laps yeah and I'd like pick one track every day and I'd just ride that over and over and over and okay. just try and get faster and faster. Interesting. Yeah. When you say faster, was that like perception or were you timing? Uh, perception. Well, GoPro timing. Okay. All right. So pretty accurate. Yeah. But most of the time it was perception because as soon as I put my GoPro on, I was just like, you're almost eager to go faster and you're going too fast on, on the edge. So I, like I had a few injuries out there so I had to just calm down yeah, a bit I was gonna say you had a few yeah little incidents so horrible don't like getting injured no so you didn't have quite as much bike time as maybe you'd have liked do you, do you think that was because you were pushing too hard too soon or um maybe I think like once you get a minor injury and then you continue riding it's so much easier to get further injured yeah like i should you should always like i know it's so hard to do but as soon as you get in a minor injury it's just like okay just relax don't push yourself and don't ride for a while Uh but because i was only out there for six months i was like no crack on crack on (laughs) and then i ended up having to take a bit longer off well you just end up crashing more and then you get other injuries elsewhere yeah so like i injured my ankle and i had to wear a boot for like three weeks or something and then the doctor was like make sure you strengthen it up before you go out riding again and then I raced the world enduro pretty much straight away and I was like oh I'd be fine and ended up falling off and like cutting my arm open and then my my mum came out to watch and my my brother too because they were coming out with hope because they had a stand up there and whatnot Uh and um yeah I just my mum was like, I think you need to calm down now. Like, the doctors are giving you these... I think they gave me... Uh, is it tramadol? Okay, pretty strong pain relief. Yeah, so they gave me some of that. But it was... 
I don't know if it was like what happened, but the tramadol and antibiotics together made me like hallucinate. And like, I kept thinking that I was laid in this bed and my brother kept walking around telling me what was going on and everything. And then in, the next morning I go for breakfast and it's like, oh, Sam, you know, you mentioned that yesterday. And he was like, well, I didn't see you yesterday. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. <laughs> Fair it is. So I was like, no more tramadol. Mm. Push that aside. <laughs> yeah. Please. Fair play. So you just you consciously sort of gave your body a bit more time and back just backed off a little bit on how aggressive you were riding, maybe, do you think? Yeah. Just like calm down a bit. Yeah. I think you need to remind yourself to calm down every now and again, don't you? Because if things are going too well, then you get a bit more confident and then Yeah. Go back to square one. Yeah, it's easy to overstep the line, isn't it? When the the confidence builds, Mm. speed builds with it. Yeah. And things can go wrong quite quickly. It's a tricky line to tread. It's an annoying line. (laughs) We've all been there, though. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever level you're at, you've definitely, you've touched that line at some point. Yeah. And probably stepped over it. Yeah. Definitely. Mm, Interesting. So, yeah, you came back to the UK, COVID, blah, blah, blah. You spent a year pretty much (laughs) in the gym under a barbell getting strong and ready Mm. um and then things opened up a little bit i guess back end of last year lockdown again and then started to open up how did you go about getting back up to speed on a downhill bike and what was it like getting back on a downhill bike because like you say you'd literally barely ridden a bike for a year pretty much pretty much like i i had luckily we managed to get a downhill day in a week before that first race at Hamsterley. This year? Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd been on a downhill bike since, oh, I can't even remember when. But, well, it was, I can just remember, the only thing I remember from that day was how much my arms hurt. Like I was, I felt like we were going quite fast because I went with uh, a friend called Matt Rushton Mm -hmm. who rides for Hope as well. And, um, he we both got to the the bottom of the first run and he was like oh my arms like it's horrendous and I was literally (laughs) like you know you have like dinosaur claws and your hands (laughs) just like peel them off the bars and we were like oh no we've got to race next weekend and this is you know like a week out from a race yeah and you can't even make it down a full run without like cramping your fingers but we just carried on. I think you just have to persevere, don't you? And we carried on riding for the rest of the day. And then we got to Hamsterley. And I think it was just like a luck thing because it's only a minute and a half maximum down there. So there's not much, you know, like if something's hurting for a minute and a half, it's it's not hard to just keep going, is it? Right. Whereas if it was like a f- five-minute track, like I was really worried that because I applied for a GB jersey for the World Cups this year. Mm-hmm. And I know this is really bad and people won't like that I've said this, but I really wanted Fort William to be cancelled <laughs> <laughs> because I was just like, I can't make it down Fort William. Like I just... I'm not ready. No, like like physically and fitness wise, yeah, but bike fitness, like it's so... Your arms just, oh, I would have died. <laughs> <laughs> so how was Hampstead then? It was good. It was yeah. like, it was scary, I thought. Like you, like you say, you're not ridden for so long. You haven't... I think this is like a huge difference between riding and and then racing and like going race pace is just when you haven't done it for so long it's quite scary so I was like okay you almost you almost think like all I've got to do is survive and not crash and 
clean run, etc. Like, I think I probably could have gone faster, but yeah, for the t- for the amount of riding we'd done, I think that was enough yeah. speed wise. Fair play, you took the win there. Yeah, I think so. Must yeah, I did. Felt, must have felt pretty good. First race after a good chunk of time off the bike. It was a bit of a like a shock because I was like, oh, not ridden for so long. Great. But then when you think about it, everyone else is in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, totally. I guess so, everyone's like working their way back up to speed and yeah, getting exactly. their head around racing again. But So, yeah. Yeah. But no, it was a great race. I enjoyed it. It was nice to just like ride with, with people again and like, because I, I can't remember the last time I'd done a downhill race before that and it was kind of nice to ride you know like when you set off in a race and you're surrounded by everyone in your group so it's all like females around and I was like oh it's so nice to actually ride with females and yeah like everyone was so happy just to be there nice. which is pretty grand yeah that's awesome and you you mentioned world cups you seem to be someone who likes to set pretty lofty goals from the get-go no messing around with you is there mm. you you decided as soon as you decided you were doing downhill world cup was a part of it right you right from the start you oh were, yeah that was the goal yeah straight from the off like I knew that I wasn't going to get to World Cups in the first few years um but I knew as soon as I picked downhill that that's where I wanted to be and that's where I'm you know I'm going to aim for that and yeah that's it good stuff because you're not gonna you're never going to go straight to the top are you but you've got to start right yeah 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 so Obviously, points chasing was kind of tricky um, to get you to World Cups because of everything that was going on in the world. Yeah. How did you go about getting yourself out to World Cups the, this year? Like, what's the process through British Cycling? So, um, so you have to apply. If you don't have enough points, you have to apply for a GB jersey. Um, I'm not really sure. If you're on a UCI downhill team, I don't know if you automatically get a place or not, or if you still have to apply for the jersey. Sure, I'm not too sure about that. I don't think you do because a couple of years ago, Chaos missed out, didn't he? And he had to get a GB jersey. Okay, so I don't think being on a team necessarily gets you entry. Makes any difference? Yeah. I wasn't too sure. Um, but yeah, so I had to. You have to get enough points. If so, if that's that's the case, you have to get enough points. Or if you're not got enough points, you have to apply for a jersey. Yeah. So you need forty points if you're not if you to automatically get in. Um, and luckily for me, I did a race in Whistler. It was just like a random race that me and my friends were like, oh, we'll just go and do this race, uh, have a bit of fun and a laugh. And I ended up coming second in it. And I think that got me 19 points. Okay. So that was like, I think if you're like applying for a GB jersey and you've only got, you've got no points, it's, they're obviously going to be a bit like, mm, do we want to send this woman also, like, I don't really know how many women apply for the jersey, like, because uh-huh. I think only three women get, well, three women and three males of each category get picked. Okay. So, and I, like, I, I might have been the only woman that applied, like, you, you just don't know, do you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so luckily, my points from 2019 with COVID, they just transferred them on to 2021. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Apparently there's like a thing where once you've got so many points, they only go down by so much every year. Okay. But I, I'm just very like, I don't know. <laughs> You're new to this bit. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> it is really confusing though. Like I, I, I've speak, like I've asked so many people, like, do you understand it? And they're just like, 
no just <laughs> crack on and just hope for the best Fair enough. <laughs> um so yeah luckily i got this gb jersey for well for all the world cups this uh-huh. year all right so it's um, guaranteed for the whole series well initially you just get the first two and then they've just accepted the next three for oh, me nice. okay so what is it maribor lens hide and snowshoe snowshoe but i'm not going to us okay um so yeah they yeah they just give you a jersey <laughs> yeah so, so you, do you feel it is it like a form online or do you have to just email someone or like? uh well i emailed um a guy called michael at british cycling uh-huh. he's already really annoyed with me uh, with the amount of times i've like don't know where i'm going and what i'm meant to be doing online <laughs> um like even with the world champs it was like a cut-off day for um for applying and um i literally emailed him two hours before the cut-off like time yeah and i was like oh i want to apply for world championships how do i do it can you send me in the right place and he just emailed back and was like I'll just take your email as entry, like <laughs> accept whatever you call it, like to yeah. accept your like application. Yeah, application. <laughs> so I've just been emailing him, but even that's hard. Like I still, if now I looked online, I was like, right, why do I fill in a form for to apply for a GB jersey for yeah. World Cups? I won't be able to find it. <laughs> Maybe if you like type in search on British Cycling or something. Mm, it's not the easiest website to navigate. No. I have to say, having tried to find some race results and things on it, it's not. It's not easy at all. Not is straightforward, it? no. So, but now with I've got enough points. I technically, don't have to apply for a GB jersey. Okay. I, I don't think. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did, how did you get yourself set up for World Cups then? Because obviously you've got, I guess, decisions to make, like. How long before do you go out? What level of support can you afford to put together for yeah. this? Because you're you're not on a big team. You've not got unlimited budget and time. Like, no. how, how did you set up? Because so Lear Gang would have been your first race, yeah. So um, yeah, Lear Gang. So Pivot UK and DMR like set me up with a retainer wage for this year. I kind okay. of said to them, "Look, guys, like I want to go to World Cups." But it, it is a lot of money. Like, I, I don't want to be, like, you know, spending all my life savings on going to World Cups for, you know, like, at the end of the day, I'm racing for them. Yeah, yeah. And and they were obviously super cool about it. And they were like, yep, we can figure something out and we'll cover you. So they ended up covering me, covering me cost-wise for, well, they gave me, like, a set amount of money. And in their their calculations they were like this will set you up for two world cups okay um but i've been pretty tight and i've made it somehow cover three and a half and then the last part i'll obviously have to put my some of my own like earnings into it which is like you can't complain can you it's, it's pretty it's a pretty good position to be in i guess it's oh not, yeah it's not, it's not amazing but it's a good start well i think it's very i'm very lucky like with how kind and supportive dmr and pivot have been yeah so that's pretty amazing um so yeah like i had this set set amount of money and i literally just tried to find the cheapest options but easy options too so like with leo gang i wanted to be as close as possible to the like the race venue and same with um leger and so yeah it was it was tough though like it's hard 
you don't realize how hard it's going to be in terms of organizing things especially with covid like traveling like some of the guys went to fly out to Gang and the all the flights just getting cancelled and they were like no you can't fly and they'd even like turn up on the day for the flight and they're like no you can't get you can't fly wow so that was it it was like all right we all have to drive so i was like oh i don't want to go out to Gang. like i don't want to drive it was 30 hour drive for me yeah to get to Gang. and i was like i don't want to drive 30 hours 10 days before the race to then have to drive 30 hours back home to quarantine for 10 days and then the day after quarantine I worked out that the day after I come out of quarantine I'd have to set off driving to Leger <laughs> so it was like do I you know what do you do yeah so I was like all right you know what so like literally like two days before I set off I was like mom I'm gonna have to go for five weeks like <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you later <laughs> and she, but she agreed she was like I just don't know why you were thinking of coming home to quarantine for 10 days yeah. to then just set off a game so it worked out quite well though because you went went to Leah Gang then Crankworks was in between Leah Gang and yeah and then Leger and then came home after the Leger race nice stretches the budget a bit though right because you've got to find more accommodation or well my family live in France uh, so okay. in terms of budget it wasn't and I think also like the amount of money it costs to drive 30 hours yeah like the the shuttle um the train ticket as well yeah like I save so much money uh, compared to flying. Mm. Yeah, no, like just not having to go out and then come back. Uh, okay, out yeah, and then sorry. Come back. Right, yeah. So I think it's cheaper to fly if okay. I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and yeah, like I spent a full week or so with my family. Um, so it didn't actually turn out to be that bad. Like I paid for Crankworks yeah. myself because obviously that was never on the pivot and DMR like plan. Yeah. Um. Which again, I enjoyed the week so much, so it was like a holiday. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it was pretty cool. pretty fun. Yeah. So talk us through that first World Cup. You're literally on your own in a flat somewhere, I guess. No mechanic. No. No. I was so alone. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally so alone. <laughs> um. So I'm guessing you don't know. I mean, you know some people from the EWS side that cross over. Yeah. But you're not really that familiar with too many people from the World Cup circuit yet I guess no no luckily like pivot us were in a house just behind me okay which wasn't planned but luckily they were there and I I saw like Bernard and some of them within a few days yeah and I was like oh thank goodness it's like people that I can't because I'd never met them before neither so I was like oh well they're almost on like the same team they're gonna be nice to me thank goodness (laughs) (laughs) you know Eddie a bit from uh, a little or? bit not yeah. not very well okay um he was friends with my brother so right. which i didn't think he'd because i didn't think he'd recognize me and then as soon as he saw me he's like oh how's sharpie doing and i was like all oh, right you do recognize me well, that's cool <laughs> fellow friends, <laughs> friends. <laughs> yay <laughs> nice so um yeah it was tough like i think the toughest part was three days of driving on my own I've listened to most of your podcasts in those three days. <laughs> Thanks, glad <laughs> to keep you company. <laughs> and then you had to quarantine for five days when you got there. So I was like on my own for five days, quarantining. And I think like when you think about it, it's like, oh, that's only seven days on your own, you'd be fine. But it's seven days on your own, 
prior to your first ever World Cup. So in your head, you're like, oh, can I do okay? Am I going to be okay? There's a lot to be thinking about, isn't there? Or yeah. Pretend, there's a lot to freak yourself out about in that time period. I'm like the longest seven days <laughs> I've ever had. <laughs> I think I'd go insane. It was okay. It was, it was just like, I think I spent, I think I like burned my phone out spending too much time on FaceTime, like ringing people. Yeah. I definitely spent seven days catching up with everyone, which I don't know. It's probably not good, but my phone only just survived. Play. <laughs> um, but even still, like when I, when I was like out of the quarantine, like I went to like check out, I came out of the quarantine the day before track walk. Okay. Um, and I will, like, I was like, oh, I best use the, use the day to, like, figure out where I'm at, go and see where everything is, go and see where the lift is, yeah. just so you, like, know what's going on. And I think sign on as well. Mm-hmm. But then even, like, track walk, I didn't know anyone. So, you know, when you just, like, stood at the top of the hill and there's all these people in all their groups, and I was just like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> on my own again. Oh, hi, guys. And um, there was Laurie Greeland and... um. What's his team make called? Brooke. Brooke McDonald. Yeah. And they were like, obviously like choosing all the lines. And I was like, I'm going to sneakily just like follow them. <laughs> and like, I'm pretty sure they knew that I was just like following them just to like know what they were picking lines wise. Yeah. And I was literally like a sheep, just like following them around. <laughs> <laughs> and they just didn't like talk to me all the way down. And I didn't talk to them because I just don't know them. Yeah. And like there's so many people on track, so they probably wouldn't have realised. But I was literally just trying to like earwig on their line choices. Or but, smart move. Well, it was a smart move until it rained so much that there was no longer any line choices. <laughs> yeah. <All> right, fair <laughs> enough. So but yeah, so it what, was pretty scary. What yeah, what did you think walking down that track is track of two halves, I guess, like bike parky in inverted commas near the top and then the new wood section which is very much not bike parky mm. what what was going through your head well the bit in the wood section i was like yeah this is good like this is kind of home it's what we do quite a lot but it was more the like the top section where i was like wow we're gonna have to go really fast okay. and i think it was like you're looking at that top section and it's like you know like you can ride fast in a woody section and where there's trees you can ride it feels like you're riding fast Mm -hmm. but when you're riding that top section fast it's way faster than any other track does that make sense yeah so it's like even though it's smoother than any anything else it's it's all all together it is faster you are going at a faster pace which after so long of not riding i was like wow i'm really gonna have to pedal and get going fast straight away yeah yeah you feel pretty nervous about that then i was so nervous it was just i was too nervous to race i think Uh really well how so how did the practice go then so you're in b practice Mm -hmm. so you're up what time are you getting up to get ready for b practice on your own with no mechanic well i think that um sorry my cat's just um (laughs) Messing with the microphone. Investigating. I'll just put him up there. Um, I think the times have changed because I think my practice started started at like eight o'clock. Uh-huh. So um, that's not too early really, is it? It's pretty early. Well, I think it was eight o'clock. I can't really remember. Uh-huh. And then we practiced. I didn't mind the early practice. I think the hard part was when 
the practice crossed over with the elites. Yeah, so there's this, this new transition where A and B are on the hill at the same time, right? Yeah, and so it was like, um, it was busy in B practice and then A practice turned up and it was like, you almost felt like you were doing a race run in the UK with all the people still on the side. Yeah. And like going through the stump sections in Leogang, everyone stopped there. So you got to the point where you couldn't do a clean run because it was just people walking around. Like, okay. I don't know how people don't crash into like walkers. It's just, it was pretty ins- insane. So yeah, it was quite hard to get a full run in. And I think, I just think like looking back on it, I was so overwhelmed. You know, when you just feel like you just, you are a sheep and you're following everyone else and you're just riding, riding the wave and yeah. hoping that it takes you in the right direction. That was literally what I was doing because I was just so like, wow, everything just seven days alone, all the fighting COVID quarantine stuff, trying to make sure that I've got all the documents. Yeah. My first World Cup, making sure I was in the right place at the right time. It's a mad build-up, eh, to, like, the most stressful thing you could put yourself through. Yeah, like, if it wasn't my first World Cup, it might have been a bit better, but I think just the idea that it's your first one. Yeah, yeah. And you've got all that combined. Yeah. Oh, it was hard. It yeah. was It was good, but it was, it, was, it was tough. Yeah, and I think you mentioned that you got your period at some point during that whole week in Lear Gang as well, right? Yeah, literally, like, the day of, of uh, qualies, and... Like I, like I've mentioned, I've mentioned it to you before, haven't yeah. I? Like when I start my period, it's like the pain is just in, immensely awful. Like uh-huh. I have to take these pills that from the doctors, which was stressful. That was really stressful as well because obviously with doping and whatnot, I had to check everything. There was like a hundred ingredients in these pills. <laughs> and I was like checking everything, and I was like, just need to make sure. Yeah, which fair play. which I did check them all and like I have a, a nutritionist as well and he like double checked everything too. Yeah. But even that was a stress because if I can't take those pills, it's literally like, okay, I'm gonna be fainting for the next hour because it's just so painful. Wow. So like the pills help, but obviously They don't fix it. <laughs> no, <laughs> it like it doesn't go away, right? They they're like um it's called methanamic acid and it's like a pain reliever yeah and i think the problem is it like masks the pain mentally yeah but your body is still going through the same stressors uh-huh. i think like after so i didn't qualify in leo gang but i literally just started my pp yeah four hours prior to qualifying so i was i saw um one of the mechanics from trek Dan at the top, um, he lives quite local to yeah. me. And he, he gave me a hug at the top and he was afterwards he was like, You look like you were gonna die. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> Cause he was like, You were just so pale, you just didn't look uh, but obviously I was ill, I wasn't feeling great. Yeah. I was super nervous and everything combined. So I literally did just ride my quality run like I need to survive and go home. I need to get down the hill, yeah, go to bed. Yeah, so I went to bed and I slept for like 20 hours after that like run. Wow. I think I put it on my, because uh, it's obviously on my Garmin. I think I went to bed at like f- four o'clock in the afternoon and I didn't get up, to get out of bed till like 12 o'clock the next day. I was so like done in. Well, yeah, stress and then everything that comes with a period must be yeah mad. does that affect does the period for you affect anything 
psychologically or is it just physical like how do you feel from like a, a I don't know a confidence perspective or um initially like prior to actually so I've spent quite a lot of time like recording things and trying to figure out like how my body works and because we train and like you'd have like two weeks where you're like whoa I'm like superwoman this is so good and yeah. then you'd have two weeks where you can hardly lift what you've lift pre- previously to uh-huh. those two weeks um and like sleep wise as well like I would when I was feeling really down I would sleep like 12 plus hours and I'd be napping during the day and I'd just be like what's wrong you know when you're like there's something wrong with me like it's not normal to sleep this much uh-huh. um so yeah prior to like previously I found it all very stressful and I was like oh there's something wrong with me why is this not going well like what am I doing wrong and then I started working with uh one of the nutritionists that I did my master's with I just like apologies my cat is just attacking your bag it's all right <laughs> um, he, I think he's gonna fall asleep soon oh um he's having fun we're all good yeah that's good so i started working with my nutritionist and he was like right we need to start tracking your period because Mm -hmm. it's obviously affecting you week in week out yeah and so previous to that i was always stressed because i didn't know what was going on but now i've been tracking for like quite a few months it doesn't stress me out anymore because i'm like okay so i feel drained and i feel knackered and i feel sick or i feel like i'm going to faint all Uh the time and it's like i'm feeling like this because of my you know my menstrual cycle yeah not because there's yeah. something wrong with me yeah you're not ill yeah it's like a physical thing that you can't like you can't control no really, right? not at all so when you know that there's like you know there's a reason behind how, why you're feeling like this rather than being stressed about it i just sit back and think right i just need to endure this it'll be over in a couple of days or yeah. it'll be over by tomorrow or I just need to make sure. And also like in a sense of like looking after myself, like when I'm having a rough week, I'm like, right, I need to make sure I'm going to bed at nine o'clock at night. I need to look after myself better. Yeah. And knowing that you like doing those kind of things just makes it all a lot easier. Yeah. Have you changed anything nutritionally that you found helps or? Yeah. Like when you're the week leading up to your, uh, period and the week of your period your resting heart rate increases like some for me my resting heart rate can increase up to 15 beats per minute wow um i think it's obviously right yeah like huge like obviously it would be different for different women and whatnot but for me that's like right i need more energy obviously your your metabolism's like through the roof yeah so for me like when i'm going through that week even though you already feel it's it's really like backwards because it makes you feel bloated um so then you're like oh i need to like not eat as much so i feel less bloated but really you almost need to eat more because you're using so much energy regardless of how bloated you're feeling okay yeah yeah so you need to almost like wipe out the aesthetics kind of reasoning behind anything yeah just think what's the healthiest thing i need to do right now Uh so but yeah, it's been been great kind of figuring out what what week I'm like on top of the game and yeah. what weeks I'm not. Like yeah. and also just like knowing like coming into races. Like with Leo Gang it was it was so unlucky. Like I was just like 
there's nothing that was going to stop me from stressing out anyway and then that happened and then I was just like right you could either break like I I wasn't upset but you could either like be upset and break down or you could just be like right we've got to do this yeah go and do it yeah and I like I was almost tempted and just not to do qualies but I just thought no like think of this as like experience like the more you know about this race now the better for the next World Cup and the better for the next World Cup and so on and so on. Yeah, it's a building block. Yeah. Like, I need to experience everything for the first time before we get anywhere. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Have you spoken to any other female athletes about, like, menstrual cycle and how they deal with it? Not yet, but okay. it is definitely something I'd like to do because um, it's obviously still quite a, an unspoken subject to some degree. Um, like, I speak to the guys about it but they don't really know what to say so (laughs) it's kind of hard for us to help with that yeah because because it's so unspoken about yeah none of us really well that's the thing about it even the science doesn't really know anything about it obviously with like how varied every woman is like i'm probably one of very few that like the pain is so bad that it ends up like making you faint and Uh it's literally just my body giving up because it can't deal with the pain. Yeah. So. But also, there hasn't been a lot of science oh, no. done on it, right? Which is. It's so like novel. criminal in a way, but mm. yeah, it's only fairly recently that people seem to have started digging into it more. Yeah. It's it's sad really because. Half the, half the population are dealing with this every month to some extent. Well, and like for me, it does control my life in, in some roundabout manner. Like yeah. I'm, like I'm, I can predict when, you know, like it controls my training regime. Like we know when we're going to need to push things and we can push things. And then there's a week or a couple of weeks where we're like, right, we're not allowed to push it hard anymore. So it is really controlling my training to some degree. There are some, there are options to control things chemically, right? To delay periods and things like that. Yeah. I'm guessing they're pretty... In well, terms of the pill and whatnot. Yeah, maybe um, not, not the best approach, but I don't know if certain athletes are using that to kind of give themselves a level or, or a, a consistent kind of energy yeah. through an event and stuff. But It's it's true. Like, So I, I tried this when I was racing in Jura. I tried to go on the pill for the first time. Uh-huh. And um, obviously there's loads of different variants and the doctors just set me off on the like the most generic pill that they had. Um and um, unfortunately, it made me feel like I'm not really someone that feels down. Like I just, if there's something that's going wrong, I find it annoying, but I'm not like, you know, I don't beat myself up about things. I'm not, Yeah. there's always like a silver lining to everything. Well, there is in my life, but. That's good. <laughs> um, but this pill, literally I was like, oh, life is horrendous. Like, okay. like it made me feel so down. And so I finished I just heard that you're not meant to just stop taking them halfway through a cycle. Uh-huh. So I finished the cycle and I just thought, no, I need to like stop. But yeah. ra- rather than like what I did, I just like stopped taking them, didn't explore it further. But I, what I should be doing is like, it's hard because it's like you have to give up a full month. You know, it's like with me, it was like a full month of feeling down. So you have to test these things. Yeah. But imagine if you're like, I don't want to start testing because it could be six months before we find the right one. Yeah, yeah. And like even some pills, like you have to just persevere with them. 
and is somehow your hormones like balance out like I'm I don't know enough about it but wow complex it it is something I'd like to do yeah I'd like to like explore the pill more but flipping neck like you like I say you don't want to be six months down the line and still feeling down no for sure you definitely don't so, so for now it's just a case of learning to manage it the best that you can and yeah accepting that if the timing is bad it can it can really ruin yeah. your chances right at a race i guess you could i mean there's no way you're going to ride at your best feeling like you felt on that day it's just not going to happen no definitely not no way like Leah Gang was pretty bad but i think also like stress makes like the symptoms worse uh-huh. So, for example, I was started my PP on the first national series. Yeah, yeah. Um, on practice day, and I just I knew I was going to start because obviously I tracked it. I knew the date, what date I was going to start. It was going to be either the day before or the day of practice. Yeah. Um, and I started on practice day, and I was just like, well, I feel fine. Like, okay. So it was like I wasn't stressed out at all leading into that race. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew, like, I had a, like an air of confidence that I was good enough, kind of, if that makes, doesn't yeah. sound too confident. No, it makes total sense, yeah. Um, you should feel like that. So the level of stress just wasn't there. Like, there was no, like, oh, what if, am I good enough, like, those kind of things going through my head. Yeah. So I don't know if, like, obviously stress makes it worse, but... Those are only two examples. Leo yeah. Gang, Leo Gang was super stressed, so it affects me more. Well, and severity changes month to month, right? Every, yeah, every cycle can be different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it's so so unpredictable because there has been times where I've gone into a into a cycle and I thought, oh, I'm really chilled out, everything's going fine, and I've then started my period and I've spent four hours on the bathroom floor, yeah, just sweating and in pain. So. You never know, do you? Really, a uh, tricky one. That mm, very it's tricky. Hard. Yeah. So, so, so Leah Gang then. Jump to, sorry, jump to kick him out. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> He's now attacking the rug. <laughs> the rug's like ten times bigger than him. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to win, is he? But no, but it's a good try. He's having a good time, so yeah, let's <laughs> let let him be. Um, yeah, so Leah Gang didn't qualify. No. How do you deal with that psychologically? I mean, I guess in a way you had a good sort of way to explain that to yourself with everything that was going on. So there's there's almost like a, there's a really solid reason why you didn't qualify, right? Or do you still kind of take, I don't know. Yeah, how do you process it mentally, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, like like you said then, like you, you've, you've got your excuses, but... That's not even it's, an excuse, it's... A, it's a reason yeah, kind it's of a thing. solid reason. But at the same time, like, you know, like I I didn't start practice. Like my practice wasn't great neither. Like the day before I started my period, obviously the day before qualities. Yeah. I was like, I was riding and I knew I wasn't riding at the pace I should be riding at. Okay. So all week I was pretty much off pace anyway. So like it's not like... Mm, it is a re- probably obviously like all that scenario probably contributes to my performance on the day, but at the same time, I wasn't, I wasn't confident. It it all just it all boils down to how confident I am on the day. Uh-huh. Like, 
if I know I can ride this track and I can ride it fast and I know that I'm enjoying it and I'm spot on I'll ride it fast but I wasn't enjoying anything (laughs) so I was just like I was terrified I was I felt out of place like I, I didn't feel like I was good enough I think like the whole concept of turning up to a race and realizing that you're surrounded by you know monster athletes and Red Bull athletes and you're there with kit from 2019 and (laughs) shoes that you've been wearing for the past four years like it's it's stressful and you you're like okay I'm not good enough and that's well it's just your mind playing tricks with you yeah because it doesn't matter what kit you've got on it doesn't matter what your helmet you've got on like at the end of the day if you can ride that track well you can ride it well can't you yeah but I at the time I just let my mind kind of take over and take control of you know well bring out the negatives yeah it just wasn't clicking then from the start of that week by the sounds of it no with the running that you had probably almost inevitable in a way right super stressful lots going on yeah. yeah I think as well like heading into this year I was like we're not going to win world cups we're not going to be you know we're not going to be flying at worlds we're not going to do anything amazing but we need the experience right and the sooner I can get the experience like that was that was why I was so like I was very like up and down when I was applying for the GB jersey because you had to wait obviously for them to accept it and every day I was checking my emails and I was like, I just want to get in. Like I just need this year to start so that I can experience my first year of World Cups yeah. and then build on it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it was almost like a, like it was, all, it, to me it was like, it needs to happen this year. Yeah. Like this, like with the World Enduro, I need to do, I need to go through losing and then start building on that. Yeah. You've got to get the experience, right? You can't, yeah. I think anyone that would expect to turn up for their first World Cup and win. Is, oh, no. Uh, you, dream, you dream of it, yeah. but... <laughs> it's, prob- it's pretty unlikely. You've got oh, to be a very, sure. very unique person with a crazy talent at that point, right? You just have to be like insanely confident as well, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, very true. Mm. Yeah. So uh, this was interesting. I, I read your Wise Words interview and you mentioned mm. like helpful comments from people Mm. um tell us a little bit about some of that stuff so i had someone message me afterwards and they were like oh and apologizing for if they said anything wrong i was like oh someone that would never have said anything like upsetting to anyone Uh and i was like oh well i don't think you need to apologize you've got nothing to apologize for so if people like that I'm sorry if it offended you (laughs) I wasn't trying to like have a dig at anyone um it was more just like a and I think I probably do it as well like without realizing like if you see someone like so if you're out at a world cup with someone that's like there for the first time or and you see someone like you know the top riders like Greg Minar, Aaron, all them lot, Loic Bruni, you're yeah. like, oh, flipping out there so fast. And you as a first-time rider, you sit there and you think, oh, man, like I'm, I'm nowhere near. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, I'm off off the speed completely. Uh-huh. Um, I think some people like, like, like I would say something like that and it, I wouldn't mean any harm at all to anybody. Um, 
but some people like they say they'll say it directly to me and I'd be like oh are they trying to I just never know if they're trying to like put me in my place or they're just being genuinely like or just be careful like don't get your hopes up and whatnot or it's just like a common what you know like like I just explained where they've just been like yeah well he's flipping fast and he or she's flipping fast um but yeah it's it's hard to hear it like it's hard to hear it from I think like after a race is the worst part when someone says oh like so and so wasn't at that race so for example national champs this year yeah um Tani Seagrave didn't race Uh and um just like someone saying well done and then afterwards being like but Tani wasn't racing so and you're just a bit like oh like (laughs) yeah it's kind of cuts right yeah like it's not a comment that like it's not a horrible comment though it's not like offense offensive in some like to most people it's not even a comment worth thinking about but for the actual racer it's like oh great like yeah thanks mate you just burst my bubble <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna go home and cry now <laughs> <laughs> so did you, have you experienced a fair bit of that then like through the last few months of yeah stuff like that? definitely but i think it's one of those things as well like from my point of view like from where i'm sitting rather than taking those comments on i need to be the adult and be like you know, a bit more like realistic about things and think, well, actually, if that's what you think, okay. Mm-hmm. But this is where I'm at and yeah. I'm proud of what I've just done kind of thing. Yeah. And you need to like, not like take the blame, but like almost take the higher ground and be like, okay, they're your faults and they don't, you're like, no offense to the people that are saying that. Yeah. But their faults don't matter, if no. that makes sense. No, it's hard to ignore stuff like that because oh, it's going to yeah. have an impact on you but yeah you're trying to ignore it is probably the right yeah route, i guess but yeah definitely doesn't make life easy does it it definitely like rains on your parade <laughs> yeah definitely. so but again like i think i'm pretty good at ignoring those kind of comments like initially it probably just kept like you felt like you're being shot every now and again yeah but now after like a couple of months of racing it's like okay well that's what you think thank you yeah thank you for your opinion i'll take like, that on board yeah that. and then goodbye and forget about it <laughs> yeah, fair play good stuff so leah gang for many reasons didn't didn't go amazingly no. but i don't think you, by the sounds of it you you weren't expecting to come out of it with a win no. or a podium necessarily like no definitely it's experience not. it's learning it's mm. it's all of that and i guess you had a bit of time like to kind of decompress and then into crankworks right Mm -hmm. that must have been a much nicer place to be it's very relaxing so like at crankworks i like at leo gang i didn't really see anyone or talk to people until after the race and then we went on uh like a night out you know the party after party and i got got to speak to quite a few people and like like you say like there was people i knew but didn't know very well and whatnot Uh um but then at crankworks where I was staying, I had to drive 10 minutes to get to the, the venue. Yeah. So it meant that, like, um, you know, like, I had to bring all my bike kit. Like, I had a, you always have a huge, you know, the mud hugger bags. Yeah, yeah. You always have a huge one of them. And, like, I couldn't literally, I couldn't 
where I was parking, it was like a 15 minute walk away from the pits. Yeah. So I like asked Bernard at Pivot and just said, oh, look, I'm going to have to, every time I need to get a bottle of water, I'm going to have to like go all the way down to my van, then walk all the way back. Like, do you mind if I just like pop up? And like he, he already knew what I was going to ask yeah. for. He obviously probably gets it quite a lot. And he was just like, nope. No, you can't. <laughs> and I was like, are you... Like, I didn't know if he was joking, yeah, but it was obviously joking. joking. <laughs> and he was like, don't be silly. You don't need to ask and let me leave all my stuff in the pivot tent. Nice. Which meant that I was spending, like... Because you had so much practice time at Crankworks. Like, I think... And also, like, the uplift was so good. I got, like, four runs in within, like, 40 minutes. And wow, we had all is. day to practice. Yeah. So I got to the end of the day and the guys at Pivot were like, so how many runs are you doing? I was like, oh, like 15. <laughs> and they were like, what? <laughs> like, it's a race. You need to calm down. <laughs> I was just having too much fun. <laughs> so good. But luckily, like, I got to meet all them and spend the whole week with them. Nice. So it was, it was super nice to, like, lead into Leger and know that if I needed anything, I'd just pop round to their tent. And, yeah. like, I don't really ever need anything, but just out of, like, socialising and... Yeah, just not being on your own in the middle of Europe. Yeah, right? literally. Like, it's so nice to think that you are welcome somewhere and you can just sit down with a brew and just talk and yeah. not be alone. Like, just, well, it's like pits, laughter and banter, isn't it? Yeah. It just calms you down a bit, doesn't it? Nice. So, yeah. That's a good one, yeah. And cr how did Crankworks go as a race for you? I really enjoyed it. Like, it was so much fun. Um, I was My aim was to get some points because, obviously, I was... That's that's been my aim all year is to get enough points so that I don't have to apply for a jersey. I can yeah. just th it gets rid of the stress of wondering if I'm going to get a jersey or not. Yeah. Um, and I ended up getting one point. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Objective of choosing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, on my race run, there was a a woman that was set off two people in front of me. Uh huh. Um, and there were I think there were one minute gaps. Right. And it was only, I think my race run was three minutes and 15 or three minutes and 20 seconds. Anyway, we caught, I caught this woman up who was set off two in front of me. Yeah. And she was she was not for moving out the way. Uh, I really? was like, oh, this is, you know, you're just like, oh, this it sucks. Like, please yeah. just move. And I was like, I shouted like 20 meters, like 100 meters before. Yeah. Then 50 meters. Obviously, I don't know how long. Yeah. But. But you gave us a warning. My, yeah. yeah. And she just didn't move. So, like, I didn't know if you're allowed to do this, but on the boardwalk, I was just like, right, I'm just going to have to barge. <laughs> and I just, like, barged past her. And, like, I think she, like, got off the boardwalk on, and went to the right somewhere. Yeah. But I I was so, like, worked up because I, I just enjoyed the track so much. And I was like, oh, I could really, like, do with a top 10. Like, this this could be really good. And ended up, I think I came 15th. And I was like, well, I achieved my objective, one point. That, yeah. That, that'll do. I'll take that. But I made, like, the mistake at the bottom. Because, obviously, you can ask for a rerun if you've been held up in your run. Okay. And, like, that's never happened to me. So I was, I was almost like, well, I was angry. And I was like, right, I can't. I can't stay here. I need to like get out and go like be on my own and just yeah. calm down a bit. Um, whereas rather than doing that, I should have gone to the organizer and said, look, I've been held up in my run. Yeah. Can I have a rerun? And then going to do a rerun. But it's always, again, it's hind hindsight and that's what I should have done. But 
obviously never been in that scenario before. Yeah. So I didn't know what to do. So I just like rolled away and calmed down a bit and <laughs> went and got a cup of tea. Sorts most things out. Right? Yeah. And rang me mum up and I was like, I got one point. <laughs> and she's like, Yeah, great. <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. And it, it sounds like irrespective of the result, mm. that week was really productive, right? You oh, got yeah. to know more people, you got to feel more comfortable in that circuit within the circuit and Yeah, it's just nice because after a while people start recognising your face and then people just say hi to you automatically. Yeah. So you're like, Oh, you know, you like you feel like you've you're meant to be there. Whereas in Leo Gang, like I didn't feel like I was supposed to be there. I felt uh-huh. like I was an outsider, but not because of people being horrible, just because I was new to everything. Yeah. So. What's the rest of the women's field like? Were people kind of friendly, inquisitive? Like, um, I don't know because I'm quite like a. If I see a woman that I know, I'll, and it's only me and her there, I'll, I'll be like, "Hi, how are you?" So I'll be the first to talk. Okay. Um. But mo- most people that I've talked to are super cool. Like, nice. there's no like difference between them and me when it comes to a social yeah. thing. Like, yeah, that's the feeling you get from them. Nice. Um, and obviously, Emmy uh, rides for Pivot, yeah, US, and she's so cool. Like, she's just so nice. And I'm like, oh, so nice to meet nice people. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to to start making friends with the rest of the women's field all right yeah, yeah for sure must be really nice it's so cool it's um because obviously cam is emmy's girlfriend yeah, yeah and so cam was in the pivot tent like quite a lot during crank works yeah and um like she's she's so lovely she's, like she's such a lovely person but like the confidence that she like you know has is just incredible yeah. and it's like no wonder you are so good like like it's great to see and like it's it's almost like inspiring you're like when well, I'm sat there like you know like squished up in the corner yeah, of a hunched, settee yeah. like oh and looking at her and thinking that's literally what I need to do I literally need to stand up tall and and ride a bike like I know I can yeah so it's quite good to like like I think I wrote it in one of my posts and it's quite it was almost like a bit like an eye opener and be like you know, like being around those people, it lifts lifts you to be better. Yeah, it's an so inspiration. It's, yeah, it was quite nice to like be around people like that, and because they're so confident, it lifts your confident up, confidence up, and you just automatically like start getting. Does that make Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense totally. Yeah, you can see I've seen it at World Cups, like this, yeah. the the sort of swagger that some of the top riders have, the yeah. confidence, the way they walk around the pits. It's not always the same when they're kind of away from the no. crowds, like, but there's definitely a, yeah, confidence and a... Just, like, the confidence, like, she, and same with Bernard, like, he's quite similar, like, in like what, him winning Red Bull Hardline for the third time in a row, how many times he's won it. Yeah, yeah, third, he, yeah. It's just not a surprise, because he's just so like confident in his riding and you just so to be around like him and and cam they're two like perfectly confident people that they're not like arrogant at all just confident and know why they're there and know what they're doing yeah and it's like oh right i want to be on that level let's do it nice so yeah yeah. cool so you took some good stuff from crankworks off to leger Mm totally new track wild 
lots to learn mm-hmm. an ever evolving track mix conditions all week tell us a bit about that <laughs> so Leger was like for me it was similar to Leo Gang minus all the excuses <laughs> does that make any sense <laughs> yeah i guess the more world cups you do the harder it is to bring out some of those excuses apart from having a period right that's a very valid reason not an excuse Mm -hmm. um but yeah you're getting more experience Mm -hmm. you've not been in quarantine for however long no like i'd been in france for i've been with my family the week before um i don't know how i did i think i Place 22nd in qualies. Okay, it's, it's top 15 that you need to get mm. into the final, yeah. And then in Leo Gang, I pretty much came last. Okay. So there was progression there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, like, so I spent the whole week with my auntie and uncle, and they're, like, they're so cool. They're so, like, they're both retired, but they're so, like, knowledgeable and relaxed. And, like, I they just have a really healthy way of living. My resting heart rate went down by, by like four or five beats after five days of being with them wow. because they literally just have this life that everyone should have. <laughs> <laughs> like they wake up in the morning, have a brew, read the newspaper. You know, they're not like stuck to the phones and like phones aren't the first thing that they look at in the morning. Yeah, And then they go for a run or they go for a bike ride they have a late lunch and then they have like a glass of red wine about five o'clock and then have some dinner and then go to bed and it's and they do that day in day out like it was so nice so I was drank every night leading up to the week of Leger yeah but I wasn't really drinking it was just like one yeah one glass of wine and it was just like wow what a life. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, so I went into Leger like very relaxed and very like like we had we had like long discussions about confidence and how I need cuz that is my problem like okay. I can be really confident and win or I could be have zero confidence and just not ride like I could know I can ride. It's on or off sort of thing. Yeah, which is really annoying because it's like I think most riders will be the same though. Like if they're not confident, they switch off and they can't do it. If they are confident, they put hundred percent effort in and whether they, you know, like hundred percent effort could result in a crash or it could result in, you know, it's on the edge, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So I had long discussions with them and like, I felt really good going into Leger. And then I, like we did the track walk, felt good, did practice, felt good. But it was just like the like how big the drops were, and I just rather than concentrating what on what I could do, I just concentrated on if I could do the drops. Right. When you say the drops, so there was three drops overall. There was one at the top, which wasn't it wasn't big at all. It was just a bit sketchy going into it. Step down into the right hander out the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Then the road gap. The road gap, and then there was one coming out the trees at the bottom. Okay. Um, oh yeah right yeah the, the one, one that Reese crashed Reese, off yeah. yeah should be called the Reese jump <laughs> <laughs> um, so on track walk I was like looking at the road gap and I was like well I could because I've done gaps like that before yeah but then 
thank goodness that I just didn't go straight into it because so many people just kept crashing, wheels kept breaking. Yeah. And of course, I only have two two wheels. Like I've got two back wheels and two front wheels. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, you're limited on how many times you can break something. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, we've been a privateer to an yeah. extent. Um, so that put me off I think it was this is a thing it's all external things that put you off everything uh-huh. whereas if you just ignore if you have like the ability to ignore certain external things you, you're fine aren't you um, so yeah I just got put off with all the jumps and drops and then I had a good quality run but it was it was safe like uh-huh. it was too safe and then even like to the point there was those three drops uh three jumps at the bottom weren't there yeah and um even them i was like well i'm not going to clear them so i'll just get over them as fast as possible right but i can clear those jumps yeah do you know what i mean it's just on the day you're like oh i can't do you just trick yourself into thinking i can't do this so you don't do it do you think it's what like as soon as there's one obstacle on the course that starts you thinking like that is it like a, almost a downward spiral from there Mm, yeah maybe I think with Leger it was more the case there was a few obstacles that were like I think just the road gap and the the jump coming out the trees because the chicken line or the bee line sorry probably not to call it chicken line (laughs) um it was like an extra 10 seconds on the bee line over the road gap yeah and then similar on the bee line out of the the, the trees into yeah. the onto the grass so when you think about it you're like wow so i'm already 15 to 20 seconds behind anyway yeah so like it's too much overthinking but it is literally like well i'm not going to be able to do that so i'm not going to be able to do any of it yeah and then you just put yourself off and it's it's so frustrating because like i speak to a count uh counselor psychologist yeah um, and I've spoke to this woman leading up into these races and she knows like she knows she's always like you're not confident enough like and we talk we'd like do all these exercises and you know when you feel like that's a, this is the most confident I've ever felt in my life uh-huh. coming into this year yeah but it's still not confident enough does that make sense yeah 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 like this is my peak of confidence right now for you so far. Yeah. But yeah. But everyone else is like, if they, everyone else had the confidence that I had at my peak, they would feel underconfident. Uh-huh. So I'm almost like this. I know this sounds maybe too com. Well, it almost sounds a bit silly to say, but the, the skill is there. Right. The fitness is there. Yeah. But my head is like two years behind. Okay. What, what my body can do so you need a head gym yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) how do so yeah so what do you do then like how do you take that assessment of yourself and change things well it's tough because like after the J, I knew I already knew what was happening and knew that my head was the problem so I was like right let's make a plan come home because I had two race or three races at home before the next world cup yeah so two of them i've already done and then um in a leaf and next weekend yeah and um in my head i was like right 
you know what you need to do. You need to hit these races at 100% and you need to set off in the start gate knowing that you you are the best you can be and you are going to ride this as fast as you can. Yeah. Um. So I left Leger and, and I was like, that's what I need to do and work on leading up to these next two races back home. Mm-hmm. So like you do the headspace, you do... I have like these exercises that I do where I'm like tapping on my chest and you do certain taps if it's a negative thought that you're having and certain taps if it's like a positive thought okay. and each one, each like different kind of tap either decreases the negative thoughts and incre- increases like the, the positive thoughts. Okay. It can get a bit too, too much though. Cause sometimes I'm like, for example, if I'm like having doubts about, how like for example if i feel like i don't look good today uh-huh. and i'm like all oh, right let's make myself feel good so i'll do this is just an example i'm not really into aesthetics so uh-huh. i wouldn't ever do this but <laughs> so then i would tap into like myself that i am beautiful and i am you know i am good looking and uh-huh. you know if okay. someone has a problem with my appearance that's their problem yeah yeah but then it's, you get too confident and then you stand up you're like Wow, I'm so good looking. <laughs> Check me out. <laughs> so you can go like too far. Yeah. Which is what you want for racing though. Yeah, I guess. Um so I did all that leading into these last two races and and it's worked. So it's like if I can make it work here, I can make it work out there. Yeah. If I this is just like a transition that yeah, needs to how, occur. Yeah, it's moving that from a a uk stage to a world stage i yeah. guess isn't it that's the challenge pretty much but obviously again at uk races you don't have as like obviously some there's really good riders yeah but you don't have all the red bull helmets walking around you don't have all the monster helmets walking around so you're like you know there's all so many more factors at a world race to, to prepare your brain for yeah yeah in comparison to uk races yeah so we can do it. Yeah, we yeah. Let's keep going. Well, yeah, talk a little bit about those last couple of races. So the first one was the BDS at Hampstead. Yeah. Yeah. Which you won. Yeah. In a pretty competitive field. Yeah, like I didn't. I wasn't too sure. I think that was like the the perfect race for me to like work on my headspace and work on my confidence and whatnot. Um, because obviously it was like. Uh, Becky, Stacy, Abby from Wales, yeah. and Monica, who are like Becky and Monica, big like influencers on social media. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you've seen Becky's like videos, but yeah, yeah, she's she can fast. ride. Yeah, she can ride. <laughs> like she looks fast, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like obviously so strong, and so I w- went into that race, and I didn't really know. I- much about Stacey I just knew that she'd won national champs in 2019 Uh but even that's enough for you to be like well flipping it like she's obviously an insane um and then the guys told me about how she was some uh, motocross like ex-champion or something Uh, okay um so that again I was like oh damn it (laughs) (laughs) like she's good (laughs) so so the first race was definitely like a perfect opportunity for me to be like okay there are all these amazing women around me yeah but that doesn't mean that you can't ride the way you know you can ride yeah so that was perfect for like testing and trying all these different 
mental like exercises mm-hmm. and and it paid off like I literally went into my race run excited like you like normally I'm super nervous and it's the same kind of stress though, nerve nerves and excitement there are a, a stress yeah, yeah. to some extent but you want the right stress there don't you yeah they're you? a positive energy rather than a negative energy right yeah and like I think Elvis Presley was playing on the radio at the top and I was just like <laughs> dancing around to Elvis. Like, this is so great. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but then again, like you go to a World Cup and dance around to Elvis at the top of a race room. You're not going to fit in, are you? <laughs> well, I don't know. I was going to ask about that. Like, do you, do you have, have you found yet a process that you follow at races? Because I think some of what helps riders get in a headspace have repeatability from event to event is the is the presence of a process that's very familiar well known and Mm. hopefully at some point for them has provided success so they believe in it and that's i guess easier when you've got a team environment around you you know a mechanic a turbo trainer at the top of the hill someone to sit with you and take you through your warm-up and all this kind of stuff which is going to be a lot harder for a privateer that's looking after everything on their own like yeah how have you thought about the process side of things for racing well i haven't like i'm not set to a process i've always been like quite keen to stay away from you know like some people have a their routines Mm -hmm. and if they don't do the routine the race isn't going to go well right and i just think that adds like an extra factor as to whether your run's going to go well or not but like you say i think like especially in the Leger, I went up to do my race run with Emmy uh, after getting to know the pivot guys. Yeah. And she was there with her mechanic and they had the turbo set up and she was super cool. She was like, you can use my turbo to like crack up, like you're more than welcome to. Nice. But then Emmy was warming up next to Miriam Nicole. Yeah. And there was all these cameras around <laughs> and she was, looked so like professional. And I was just like, yeah, no, I can't stand this environment. Like, I need to go somewhere else. <laughs> so I think, yeah, like, I would l- love it if I had someone up there with a turbo and, you know, just just warming up properly. Like, I run around to warm up at the moment, which it's not relatable to bikes at all, is it, really? Probably not, yeah. So to be just be able to do a proper warm-up like i do stretching and i guess running warms you up to an extent but you need like you need 20 minutes to 30 minutes of you know a routine which now you've mentioned it i should probably sit down and write one out really and write out like a little warm-up session yeah i think i think i don't know how much this is just my thoughts but like I don't know how much of that whole process of a race weekend and certainly the pre-race run part of it and the warm-up, I don't know how much of the warm-up is like benefiting the rider physically versus just taking their mind off the fact that they've got something to do. Mentally. Like it gives them things to be ticking off. Like I've done this, I'm doing this now, I've got this to do next. Yeah, They're not thinking I'm going to do this wrong or oh, i've got to hit that that i'm a bit scared yeah of. it just gives you a focus maybe i don't know it's just a thought but so you're probably right like you know like me standing at the top of the hill looking at Miriam nicole like 
and then thinking, well, she's going to hit that drop and I'm not. So Yeah, that's not going to help, is it? No, definitely not. But if you're there thinking, right, well, I know I don't want to be sat next to Miriam Nicole, so yeah. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this, this, this and this. Yeah. Maybe that helps just keep you occupied, I guess. Just take your mind off it. and Yeah, well, just staying focused, like knowing mm. it's it's not a case of like keeping your mind off it. It's more a case of like keeping a positive focus yeah yeah rather than because i don't think there's anything you can do well i'm assuming there's not much you can do to keep your mind like even when i was dancing around to elvis at the top of that first uk well uk national series i'll in my head i was literally the whole time thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna hit everything as fast as i can like it was just everything was on full speed in my head like I was like almost like I wanted the start to come earlier just so that I could have a have my run and enjoy it and do and I wanted the run to be longer which is just like you know if you're doing that at a world cup you're gonna you know you know you're gonna really enjoy it you're gonna probably end up doing a fairly good run really you're going to do your best right yeah if you feel like that you're going to be doing your best that's yeah. the key isn't it exactly because you can't impact how fast miriam nicole gets down the no track. you can't change that so what's the point in thinking about these girls around you yeah in that scenario so well you could like let her tires down or something a bit oh guess, yeah but, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but i tried that she ended up coming second <laughs> no, i'm joking <laughs> i helped <laughs> quality uh, yeah, so it went it went well, and obviously confidence breeds confidence, right? Getting a result is gonna help. Yeah, well, I think it all reminded me as well. Like even at national champs, um, like I didn't even realize what I was racing for. I was just enjoying my riding so much. So these last two races have kind of made me realize that, you know, like you go into races thinking, oh. I I really hope I win. I really hope I, you know, how epic would it be to win the feeling of winning, etc. And you imagine winning in your head and it's really hard not to imagine winning. But you've almost got to tell yourself, no, that's not the be all and end all. The be all and end all is, are you enjoying this? And are you putting in 100% effort to that's going to make you satisfied? Yeah. Um. So I think that's what these last two races have kind of made me feel and learn from if that makes sense yeah definitely does so how did that it was really felling wasn't it the nationals yeah track looked pretty good it's so fast i didn't i didn't expect it to be a super fast track like that um because i've never ridden there before but all the tracks that we've ridden in the uk they're not they're not that have you ever ridden it i haven't ridden rid of no but most stuff in the uk is not alps fast is it no not really but that was it was good though. Yeah. It was so much fun. Nice. And bone dry all weekend, like good conditions. Yeah, that's the other thing. I think it was my first dry race. So <laughs> this year. <laughs> which is uh well it's good, but it's not good as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um but no, it was a it was a great weekend. It was pretty insane. Yeah. I um, didn't go on. I was gonna say what how do they decide the running order? Is there a qualifier? Yeah, so <laughs> I think the lowest rank races in the seeding run set off first mm-hmm. and i there was a lot of women there and i was the second second women woman to set off uh-huh. and it's in my head i was like what i can't believe you know you like, can't believe it 
Like, I'm just, like obviously you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. But I was like, I can't believe I'm second, second off. <laughs> and, and I ended up finishing second in seeding. Okay. So now I was second to last setting off. Who won seeding? Stacey Fisher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she beat me by four seconds in seeding. Fair chunk. What, what was the total time? So I was three twelve and she was three oh eight. Okay. And I was like, I saw her come down. I was just like, what? <laughs> I got. I just, you know when you're like, I don't know if I can actually go any faster than what I've just done. Yeah. And then at the top of the uh, race run, I was just. Because it's more relaxed, isn't it? You talk to people on UK races. Yeah. Whereas World Cups, there's not much talking that goes on. So I was talking to Stacey and I was like, oh, how was your seeding run? Like, you you put in a really good time. And she, because obviously she did. Like, I was there like, God damn it. That's insane. And um, and she was like, oh, it's the best run I've had all week. Like, it's it was amazing. So in my head, I was like, wow. It's the best run she's had all week. So it's very, you know, I know this is really not very nice. But But you're racing, right? But we are racing. (laughs) Um, In my head, I was like, well, that's the best she can put down. So it's, she's probably not going to do that again. And if she does, fair play. Yeah. So then I was like, right, just think all the way down. You're attacking every corner, every straight, every part of the track, just attack. And I ended up taking six seconds out of my seeding run so I, I got to the bottom it was like 306 and I was like well it can't be right <laughs> just get you know like in your head like it's just not that's not right <laughs> and then Stacy came down and the clock turned to six and then seven and I was like yeah that's just unbelievable <laughs> like like I was so happy like I let out a little bit of a yes and then I was like no nope. Nope, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> it's trying to like hold back. <laughs> awesome. Is there but a hot seat? No, like okay. I was just sat on my the, my back tyre of my wheel yeah. like, waiting and she came down. But then I just didn't realise, like afterwards, I didn't realise what we were racing for. And it wasn't till like um, Monday, like I finished work like at 3.30 and I got myself a brew and looked at my phone and I was like, because I hadn't really champion. been on Instagram properly like yeah. I posted a picture I think of the podium and that was it and then just like people's reaction and everyone saying well like so one of the guys was like how does it feel to be the fastest woman in the UK and I was like well that's pretty much what we race for isn't it yeah and I just didn't realize I was like right I need to enjoy it and not think about the result more definitely if that makes sense yeah, well, it makes sense, doesn't it? It's pretty cool, though, isn't it? It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Names up on Pinkbike homepage, like yeah, not not bad going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pink Pinkbike followed me on Instagram, and I was like, "Whoa, you've made it!" No way. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Best friends." <laughs> <laughs> That's um, awesome. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool. And what, how were uh, how were Pivot and DMR? They must have been pretty happy. I think so. Like, I didn't really speak to them much afterwards. Um, because I think they were Red Bull Hardline was obviously happening the week after. Oh yeah, or uh, yeah, the week after. Yeah, so this I think there was a gone. lot of preparation going into that and whatnot. But uh-huh. yeah, they they were very happy about it, and I think Adam just sent me a message being like, "Winner, winner, chicken dinner!" <laughs> 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 <So> yay! <laughs> Quality. Have you had much like 
attention as a result of that. Obviously, there's the wise words thing yeah. that you did recently of other like media outlets been in touch or brands or not really. Okay, but I think like a lot of it gets lost. Like I had about two hundred messages to get through. Yeah, so I didn't. I wasn't really sure if you know. You just don't really know who is who on Instagram, do you? Uh-huh. Um. But no, I haven't had loads of people like contacting, but at the same time, like I'm not, like I just don't think I'm, I'm not well known in the downhill scene, am I? Not yet. So it's like. That's starting to change though, isn't it? Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> like this is my first year of a full downhill season. Yeah. So even like when it came to winning the, like, well, these winning these two races that have just gone, like they would call out Stacy for second. Mm-hmm. And then it, okay, I was just stood in the crowd and you just hear like a few whispers being like, well, who came first then? And like, <laughs> I'm just there like, it's me. It's hello. <laughs> and I just like wobble up to this, <laughs> the podium. Like, hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me yet. Yeah. But I'm here. I'll be here next time. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, fingers crossed it keeps going in the right direction. And Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. When do you start kind of looking at putting something together for 2022? Because hopefully this, is, this will help that. Well, I had a sleepless night the other night worrying about what I was going to do for 2022, which was silly. I don't need to worry to that extent. Um, but I was thinking, because I think people start emailing august time don't they and now really I think. yeah now in august which is super early like we're only halfway through the season but it's just people get on it don't they so i need to sit down for an afternoon or so and just put pull together some ideas of what i want to do and yeah it's i think it's quite hard because obviously my goal is to be on a a, a downhill team mm-hmm. and go to the world cups with a downhill team yeah which is obviously with what i've like done at world cups this year it's not not enough and it's not good enough but the potential is there it's just like a jigsaw and putting it all together yeah yeah you could well be like a podium contender by 2022 but you can't send out an email saying that, that that gives people like exactly huge confidence that that's going to happen like you might know you can do it no but you've not done it yet sort of thing so it's kind of yeah i guess it's tricky right you could have had a top five by the end of the year who knows yeah like you just don't know it's like um so at the national champs uh phoebe gale from fmd fmd racing she was obviously racing juniors and yeah and i was in the first race of the year she obviously in juniors again so different categories Mm -hmm. which she got five sec. She was five seconds up on me. Yeah, and I was. That was at the Hamsley race. Yeah, um, and my friend Dan from Trek. He was like, because I was a bit like, oh, it's all right taking an elite win, but if you're not, you know, if you're not getting the fast like national champs, if you're not taking the home the fastest time of the day, and you've won the elite category, it doesn't feel. Yeah, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense if the conditions are equal and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, yeah, like it probably shouldn't be a thing. But but anyway, so at National Champs, she was three seconds behind me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, 
normally like she's about three to five seconds behind Tani. Yeah. And like you can like think about it in all different ways, can't you? But in my head, I'm like, I am on pace. Yeah. Okay. I'm just not, you know, I'm just not performing. Yeah. You're not, you're not putting it down on the world stage yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, it is just a continuous progression thing, but it's almost like trying to use what I've done here to try and encourage teams. But so, yeah, that's the ultimate goal is to be on a UCI team and that's what they're called, aren't they? UCI teams. Yes, so, yeah. Yeah, a proper downhill team. Yeah. But I'll do it one day, like, hopefully. Like, if I don't do it next year, I'll go, be going for it the year after. Yeah. Until I'm I'm on a team and I'm I'm there at the, at the top and in with a fight for the win at each round. Yeah. That's that's what I've always wanted and every year we're slowly getting there. So yeah, you're a hard worker. Yeah, like I'm not planning on stopping anytime <laughs> soon. So good stuff. Yeah, so Maribor's the next one, right? Yeah. When are you heading out? Have you got much time ahead of the Maribor race like um, out in Europe or No, it'll be five days quarantine I imagine and then okay. straight into quali- um Track walk, practice yeah. and track walk yeah so i don't want to i'm not heading out there for a full five weeks this time because i've got a hen do <laughs> <laughs> the weekend after Fair play. <laughs> so um so yeah going out for the week and then fingers crossed for when when uh, when are you releasing this podcast well that's a good question don't know yet soon all right okay why can I say it? Or, well. We can always edit if we need to. Okay. Because uh, I've been picked for the world champs. So I go out to the world champs and then to Lenzerheide. Yeah. So that can be in that if. When's the team announcement? After the team announcement. I don't know when it yeah, is. I can find that date. But if it's before, I go out to Maribor for the week. Yeah. And then I've got Hendu back home. <laughs> and then I'll go head out to Lenzerheide. Yeah. For... The last, well, it'll be my last World Cup yeah. of the year. Purely because of funding, uh, how much it would cost to get to Snowshoe. Yeah, that as well as, well, exactly. I don't want to spend that much money out of my own savings to go. Like I'm saving up for a kitchen. So, well, you know. <laughs> so if there's any brands listening that want to fund your Snowshoe trip and have got some... I don't know. You need some new kit, don't yeah. you? You're only in 2019. So. <laughs> oh, so funny. It's my own fault, though. <laughs> I should have sent that email. <laughs> Classic. Um, That's a double yeah. header as well. So it would be good. Good, like you get your money's worth a bit more now, right? Two races for the well, price of one, almost. I think, but also like the. It sounds like the restrictions to travel to the US are quite insane. Okay. So that's putting me like it was hard enough trying to get out to France, so that kind of puts me off going to all the way over to US. Yeah. And, and I think as well, like I've, I look at the year, and by the time I've done uh, the last Lenserhide, yeah, um, I think I'll get to the end of that race because there's another two races in the UK after that as well, uh-huh. and I think, you know, that's me. Not done for the year, but almost like satisfied for the year. You know, I've gone out, I've done all, everything that I wanted to do for the first time. Yeah. Um, I don't need any more experience after that to add to 
like obviously every race is a new experience but yeah that's enough experience for one one year if <laughs> yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah it's quite a lot it yeah. is quite a lot to deal with first season you've not messed about yeah <laughs> so let's assume this is going out after the um world champs team announcement mm-hmm. a congratulations that must feel pretty good thank you and uh, B, it's very exciting. Vowed his soul. <laughs> what a track! Like, how do you feel? You must be like, and then there's excitement, right, for that. But it's an intimidating track as well, yeah. Isn't it just? It's really steep, isn't it? Steep, and rocky, and technical. Yeah, people seem to say it's like one of the more full-on tracks on the circuit. Yeah, but you're not phased by technical. And no, steep. <laughs> so that doesn't worry worry me. It's yeah. if they like decide to put a huge drop in the middle of it or like a huge jump. And then I'll be like, oh, I can't ride it because that stupid drop. (laughs) (laughs) But in terms of like technical and steepness, well, steeper the better, I guess. Yeah. Because I'm always, it was like at Hamsley at the start of the year uh, for National Series 1. It was just a technical track. It it was like, it wasn't crazy steep, but it was like had sections where it was steep. Yeah. and everyone was just complaining about how horrendous the track was. And I was like, what? It's technical. <laughs> so good. Sweet. Well, there you go. So no, that, it would, wouldn't scare me at all, I don't think. Nice. The only time it starts to scare me is jumps and drops. And then I'm like, right, yeah. okay. Fair enough. And you definitely get a finals run, don't you? Everyone gets a finals run. Thank goodness. So yeah. that's a result. Yeah. There's qualifying those. So you still get to put a time down, but it doesn't really do anything, I don't yeah. think. So in a way, that's quite a cool. It's format. a really exciting, like concept. I yeah. think that, like with World Cups, with it being your first, my first year, the challenge is qualies. The yeah. challenge isn't the race. Okay. So to know that I'm going to go to the World Champs and get a race, and I don't have to stress about qualies, is it's very kind. You know, like it's a nice place to sit and yeah. to be. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, and I think as well, it's hard because in a college run or a seeding run, you almost automatically think, right, I don't need to put too much effort into this because this isn't a real race. But it is at World Cups at yeah. the moment. Yeah, for you now, yeah. that is your race day, right? I guess, yeah, exactly. Until you can confidently get through that stage. To the point where, you know, if I qualified 15th uh, at Maribor, I would be very happy to go out for a, a party night and then race the day after <laughs> because it doesn't matter then <laughs> you've done it yeah. yeah objective for the year complete sort of thing yeah exactly yeah i play and you get a bit more support i guess like it's not like being on a factory team at worlds but there is some british cycling staff yeah i think they have like some like line spotters and stuff mechanic and as well and i think nice they gave you a full list of it on the email and yeah I almost missed out on my place because I I thought that we had to reply by Wednesday the 28th. Right. Um, but it was actually went Tuesday the 27th. And so I was two hours late to accept my place. Yeah. So I spent, this is a night where I didn't sleep at all yeah. because I was stressing about sponsors for next year. And I was stressing also about the fact that I'd missed out on this, op- I might have missed out on this opportunity. You know, like you never know if you're going to get picked again. Yeah, for so sure. So in cool. my head, I was like, I've just, I've screwed myself over. Like, what have I done? Yeah. I felt so stupid. But then they emailed back. Obviously, they've got a deadline so that then they can process it all to the actual race organizers. Yeah. 
So they were like, no, it's fine. Like you're well within the deadline that we actually set. This is just a obviously a deadline for us to get back. Yeah. I was like, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I put in the email. I was like, oh, I had a Wi-Fi problem. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry if you're listening to this now. Yeah, Michael Vickers, yeah. if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> ignore that bit yeah <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> <laughs> amazing and i guess you get to hang out a little bit with the other british team members as well so it'd be a yeah. nice like way of getting to know yeah, some be, of the other british riders right it'd be super cool like i'd really love it if like like with the females i'd love to ride more with females yeah um so like if i could meet like the top the other i think there's three women picked is there or okay. four i don't know I'm not sure. yeah not sure how many they sent i think hmm yeah, I don't know. Don't know Norm- I think it's normally three elite, three junior, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I think it's, I have it in my head that it's free. But just yeah. to meet, like, f- women f- that are, like, doing all the same as what I'm doing and, they're, you know, super fast and whatnot. Because I just, I, I never ride with women um, my speed. Uh-huh. I'm always riding with guys and I don't really ride with them because they're faster than me. So I'm like, right. I'll ride with them for, like, 20 seconds and then because they're all races as well yeah um but yeah i'd love to just meet more women like which with where i live as well i don't really get much opportunity to meet women and meet fast women and ride with them yeah so i think like it's definitely something that i want to happen in the future because it's just a nice thing like 10 years ago you'd never be able to ride with a group of women like you not because people women weren't allowed, more because there weren't a, enough women around. Yeah, yeah. But whereas nowadays, nowadays it's like the opportunities there, like that's what we can. I know it sounds like silly, but it, it is like novel and it's it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. That yeah. there's all these women that we can actually ride with, and they're so fast, and well, it's exciting. Definitely. But yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a rapidly growing part of the sport, and the yeah. the depth of talent just seems to like go up by so much every, every year, year. Yeah. like it's insane yeah it's like where are these people coming from it's it's, it's, it's really cool it's so cool yeah. i love it yeah. it's quite a, like a group of are they from Qu- queenstown it's like a group of girls that live mm. and over winter i was like watching on instagram like seeing all them like riding i was like oh so cool like that would never have happened five years ago like you wouldn't have had all these women doing these huge jumps and all together and supporting yeah. each other and it's so exciting. Yeah, the progression's wild, eh? So yeah, excited just to meet more women that are racing World Cups and hopefully you might want to practice with me. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Well, we uh, how long have we been talking? Nearly two hours. Oh wow. Yeah, so we should probably um, wrap up by that. We've brought we brought it kind of up to date from mm. where we were last time we spoke to where we are now. National champion. You. Awesome. <laughs> world cups uh work in progress yeah and yeah super excited to see how you get on for the rest of the season super excited to see how you get on at worlds that's such a cool thing to to be involved in and so it's been an amazing experience and yeah I, yeah i think you'll go well there i can imagine your riding and that track might go t- together pretty well i hope so yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed interesting so yeah if any brands are listening that are interested i guess <laughs> get in touch right yes please <laughs> <laughs> support is welcome yeah <laughs> always always <laughs> nice one cool if people uh want to follow you and see what you're up to throughout the rest of the year where's the best place for them to look uh probably on instagram uh, it's just kj.sharp 
I think. Yeah. yeah. I'll stick a link on the show notes so people can find it. Brilliant. Thank Wicked. you. Wicked. Nice one. It's been awesome catching up. Thank you so All much. All the best for the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have to get an update from you at some point brilliant thank you cheers 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 all right that's it for this episode with kj i really hope you've enjoyed listening a massive thanks to we are one composites for supporting this episode of the show downtime listeners get 15 percent off we are one rims for the month of august using the code we supply 2021 over at the checkout on we are one composites.com that's we supply lowercase, all one word, followed by the number 2021 over at weareonecomposites.com. While you're there, you can also check out their incredible new bike, The Arrival. If you want to own one of the limited edition first issues of Downtime EP at special early bird pricing, then head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now and leave us your name and email address. We're really, really close now to going to print and we'll be sending early bird deals to everyone who's registered really soon. So get involved. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, you can get your hands on our full range of merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all proceeds going to help improve the podcast. If you're still listening and you've got a bit of time, then there's a few ways you can help out. Tell your rider mates about the podcast because the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. Share the episodes on your social media, help spread the word, get some buzz going. It really, really helps. And then if you've got a little bit of spare time still, Hop onto Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. It goes a long way. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up soon. But until then, get out and ride. (laughs) 